here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Hey, this is the king of the mountain, Jeff Jarrett, the president and founder of Global Force Wrestling. And you're listening to Shake Them Ropes. Robin McCarron. Why not bring Virgil back? He's in the game. Cross promotion. Bring him back. Jeff Hawkins. We have more stories for Virgil than we have half of our mid card. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. I don't know, Jeff. I don't know with your explanation how they can't bring him back at this point. This year is coming up, Virgil. He needs the money. A tweeter writes in, Jeff. Jeff Hawkins singing Sasha Banks theme? Yes. Another writes in, can someone stop Jeff Hawkins from singing? Really? The answer is no, because I've tried. I Jeff- didn't see that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jeff Hawkins, uh, you know, polarizing the singing yeah. as last week on episode 165, you uh, sang Sasha Banks' theme. Sasha Banks all the rave in WWE right now. We have a big show. Derek Montilla of the Steel Cage and Minutes with the Mayor will stop by later on, plus Triple H and Undertaker from WrestleMania 27. The NXT Power Rankings return and (laughs) Twitter mailbag. First, though, it is week two of the brand extension. Which show did you like better? SmackDown. Easily enjoyed SmackDown more. Um, Not that I didn't have quibbles with it. But um, I thought SmackDown did a great job up until the end of rebuilding Dolph Ziggler. I would have given Ziggler that last final moment of being a contender and then save the Rowan beatdown for next week early. And because I think they're going to a tag match here, I think that's the obvious play. And they're going to have an accidental shot between Dolph and uh, Dean to to end it, you know, to draw the tension but overall smackdown i enjoyed a lot more um i thought american alpha's debut was pretty good uh chad gable showing some new moves which was nice um i also uh raw turned me off from the get-go i really and i know i got into an argument with a couple people about this so again critics suck it no um (laughs) uh I didn't like the inclusion of Jericho and Enzo and even Kevin Owens into the women's division. I think they need more time to stand on their own and build it before you start doing these, for lack of a better term, support angles where you get guys who you can count on to go in there and support everybody else. I thought that was kind of a bit demeaning, to be honest yeah. with you. I, and I, I thought Sa- Sasha needed a week to establish herself as champ. And and they did too many of these parallels on Raw. You had the squash match with with Braun and the squash match with Nia Jax. You had the champ speaks real qu- one sentence and gets interrupted, and then you had AJ Styles speak one sentence and get interrupted. It just it was just too much of the same for me. And I really the mixed tag just turned me off from the get go. It didn't turn me off. I I didn't see it like that. Yes, I I thought they were just kind of uh, you know using. Two different groups of people. They use Sasha and Charlotte 
And it was fun watching uh, Sasha Banks and Charlotte open up the show. It was refreshing. It was different. Yeah, sure. Sure, it was a 20-minute segment. But at the same time, it wasn't the same people you see all the time. It wasn't Seth Rollins going out there. It wasn't Stephanie McMahon. It was Sasha and Charlotte. And then they interjected Chris Jericho and Enzo. But I think that was just to kind of uh, get them involved and break them off. I don't think they're going to be supporting the women's division in any way. No. I, I think they're going to be breaking them off. Did they use it as a crutch to try and make sure viewers didn't tune away in case they were worried about that? Maybe. But yeah. I, I don't feel like they're going to keep them involved. It was just being used to set up a new program for Enzo and Gas. And they have two more weeks between now and SummerSlam to continue Sasha Banks and Charlotte. This is just one thing they did on one episode. Yeah, but it was it a was sleight of hand in a way because it didn't help Sasha and Charlotte, really. I mean, the, the end result was setting up Enzo and Cass versus Owens and Jericho. I, you know, I just, I think if you want to really make a statement and want to change things up and make a diverse type of show, you, it's too early to be doing this kind of thing, much like it's too early to be adding belts on the SmackDown, which I guess has been announced, even though it's we'll, not in the immediate future. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to the new belts. We'll get to the new belts in a minute. I, I just think there's plenty of time. It's one week. And they just wanted, they wrote a, they wrote an interesting segment for the opener. I, I won't hate on it because it was different. It was different than the, uh, the same cast of characters we'll see. Uh, I thought the banter between, uh, between all four, really, especially Charlotte, Charlotte dipping in there with the soft joke. Charlotte may have stolen that entire opening. I would agree. Yeah, she was, uh, she was pretty good. Not like usual. She, uh, she sometimes gets swallowed up in those types of segments by the others, but. Uh, she held her own. I thought it was interesting. I liked it. Uh, there, I, I think SmackDown overall was the better show myself. Um, I wrote about it at Voices of Wrestling. I thought SmackDown overall was a little bit better. A lot of excitement with American Alpha. Bray Wyatt was a little weird because, yeah, they're probably going to do a Bray Wyatt-Eric Rowan uh, tag with Dean and Dolph in the next two weeks. But it's still like Bray Wyatt ending the show above both the world champion and the world championship contender. Uh, maybe they're setting him up for Dean Ambrose next. Possibly, but it was still a little bit weird timing. They didn't focus on Dolphin Dean. Let me ask you something. How how concerned were you that that the whole Dolph thing was just a bait and switch to get in to get uh, Bray into the title match at SummerSlam? Oh, I, as I was watching that show, I thought Bray Wyatt was going to win. Uh huh. So I thought did I. I thought Bray was going to be the uh, contender, and and that would have been fine with me too. But you know, Dolphin Dean, I think will be a good match. It just it's way down on the card. I should also explain for those who hear randomly loud noises in the background, possibly in this podcast, I'm getting my roof done and they appear to have uh, now been set up right above me. Loud and, noises. Yes. So uh, <laughs> loud noises might be happening. Uh, that's what's going on. The earth is not shattering over here in Northeast Indiana. It is the, uh, the roof being completed. Thought, I thought they'd this, be done. It's not. As I said, though, la- last night with, uh, the other in the other territory. Uh, I, I think this was the best Dolph Ziggler I've seen. Uh, maybe ever. Yeah, it's intense Dolph. It's looking good for Dolph. I mean, he's he's playing it up like this is a guy who hasn't had this opportunity in a couple of years. Right. And he's I'm, going with it. He's he's in a title match at SummerSlam. This is a pretty big deal. I'm just happy he's gotten away from the show stealing and now actually wants to win. It's about time, you know type of thing. But it was interesting to me that they kind of had Dean heel on him a little bit because I was expecting it to go the other way. I was expecting Dolph to come out a little bit more heelish in this. And it was Dean who kind of uh, played up the, nope, you're not, you're a loser 
type of deal. And I was like, wow, okay, that's that's an interesting choice. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. He's also he was he wasn't in full effect a a tweener during mm-hmm. the Roman Reigns Dean Ambrose program. I mean, he was the guy standing right beside Roman Reigns, and when Roman was suspended, he was backing him up. Like Roman Reigns, yeah, he belongs in this match, so forth. So yeah, I, I thought they might have gone with a tweener personality for him during that feud and they didn't so Mm -hmm. i I am kind of surprised that they are doing that doing that a little bit right now but overall yeah smackdown had the better and not to mention john cena and aj styles too i thought john cena and aj styles had a good confrontation and that's probably the biggest of the undercard matches that was added for SummerSlam. so in that effect some uh, smackdown did a pretty good job too roman reigns being in the u.s title picture is different we asked last week about roman reigns uh, where his placement on the card would be because there didn't seem to be a spot. But yeah, they just inserted him into the U.S. title picture and Roman Reigns and Rusev is going to be a match happening at SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, that, we kind of figured that might be the play, especially because it, it's right in the whole rehab of babyface, yeah. hopefully the main event status playbook for WWE is is to put him up against a monster, especially at one that's holding a mid-card title. Yeah, no, I, I'll I'll enjoy the match. I mean, there's some good... Uh, Good big matches coming up at SummerSlam. We'll talk a little bit about... Uh, we got a lot of Twitter questions. We got a lot of questions for our Question of the Week segment. So I, I figured we might do a little bit of a mailbag that kind of gets into a lot of the topics of Raw, SmackDown, and WWE as a whole. But first... Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Smart design, premium fabric, simple shopping, Mack Weldon delivers in all three categories, guys. And right now, you can save 20% off your order with promo code VOW. That's right. Try out the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, hoodies, and sweatpants you'll ever wear and save some money doing it. Use promo code VOW at MacWeldon.com today and you'll get 20% off your order. This promo code is exclusive to Shake Them Ropes and Voices of Wrestling listeners. We thank Mac Weldon for sponsoring our podcast, and we thank them for giving our listeners such a great deal. Whether you're at home, at the gym, on a date, or work, or wherever, be comfortable with Mac Weldon's great fitting and great looking underwear, socks, hoodies, and more. In fact, Mac Weldon guarantees your comfort or your money back. Go check it out, guys. Give them a try today. You'll be glad you did. Go to MacWeldon.com. That's M A C K W E L D O N.com. And use promo code VOW. That's VOW. Get 20% off right now. MacWeldon.com, promo code VOW. Go right now. We got our Twitter questions of the week before our guest stops by. The first one, Jeff Hawkins, if you are so prepared. Yusuf mm-hmm. writes in, What did you think of Sports Illustrated's top 101 wrestlers of all time list? Jeff, did you check this out? I did briefly, but much like when Rolling Stone ranks the greatest artists or the greatest albums, it's meant to get phony chatter out there and they don't really mean it as a list. So I just kind of, I dismissed it. I don't get angry about such things. Yeah, I I didn't get angry about it. I thought it was, I thought it was goofy. Um, I mean, I I thought it was wacky. This writer, this Luke Winky, he titles this thing a definitive list of the top 101 wrestlers of all time. You know, lists are popular. It's basically, you know, they're meant to create buzz, create shares, create disputes, create debate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's how BuzzFeed basically became a huge thing, right? I mean, just lists and listicles. But this one was, I mean, it was very poor. It was poor writing. It, it felt like it was a fourth grade level. Uh, it was it was just a weekly contrived list. 
And there were a lot of mistakes that had to be corrected later on. I, simple mistakes, too, that just shows that it was poorly researched. So I didn't take much stock in it. I didn't really care to get angry in it. I mean, from the fact of thinking Kento Kobashi of pro wrestling uh, Noah uh, and, you know, Japanese res- r- legend Kenta Kobashi was the same person as Hideo Itami. I, I think that was the most glaring mistake that a lot of people pointed out. It was just it was ridiculous. And it, it was it was something for the website. If I was Sports Illustrated, honestly, I'd be embarrassed about it and I probably would have pulled it. If I'm Sports Illustrated, I just view it as a bone to wrestling fans and say it's not really all that important to our sports coverage and move on with my life. Danny writes in, is WWE afraid to put Daniel Bryan on the Stone Cold podcast due to what he might say with a live mic? No. <laughs> I think no. there might I think there might be something to it, honestly, because Brian I, has been on radio shows and podcasts before and he's been rather outspoken and rather honest in all these interviews. And well, especially with the uh with the stuff he's been going on about uh in Talking Smack, the the SmackDown post show that happened that debuted last night after SmackDown. Uh he said some things that's getting a lot of uh, attention today. So can, can I, I think I, there might be something to it. I'll finesse my answer a bit here. They're not afraid he's going to say something bad about the company. They're afraid he's going to say something about his health, and then that will in turn help feed, say, like the lawsuit that's up against them. Yeah, I I think that might be a little bit of the fear there too, but I just I don't know if they want Daniel Bryan with a live mic that they can't control because he he goes on interviews. It's not like he shies away from them, and he usually says something notable. And I don't know. I don't know if they're because it would be it would be a big deal on the network, right? A Daniel Bryan Stone Cold podcast would be one of the more watched ones because it hits that hardcore audience. It hits the internet. Uh, everyone's an internet wrestling fan, obviously, but he, it hits like the hardcore internet base. I think that would be a really big one for the network, and they're just not doing it. Mm. <laughs> Is it noisy? Yes. Yeah. Oh, they're knocking all over the place. They're right over me. I thought they were supposed to be done by now. They're right Mm -hmm. over me. Rob's roof is getting fixed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Raphael on the Twitter machine. You can reach us, by the way, at Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. Jeff is at Crap Game 13. What are the plans for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at SummerSlam? I think we got our answer to Kevin Owens, but Sami Zayn still seems to be a mystery. Yeah, they'll probably put him in a match with someone i i, I mean know. i i asked if roman reigns last week was going to be the odd man out you know not not being too you know serious it just was a weird uh weird place with no roman reigns on the card but Sami Zayn might actually be missing out Sami Zayn might not have a place because it looks like owens and jericho versus enzo and Cass might be somewhere at SummerSlam. and i know the show is going to be four hours so there's a lot of room for it but we look at look at this card jeff right now it looks like we're going to get finn and seth brock and randy Dean and Dolph, Roman Reigns versus Rusev, AJ Styles versus John Cena, Charlotte versus Sasha Banks, Miz versus Apollo Crews, The New Day versus Gallows and Anderson, maybe a SmackDown tag title match. Maybe they do something with the SmackDown tag titles quickly and have something at SummerSlam. Uh, But where does Sami Zayn fit in? Where does Bray Wyatt fit in? Where does Callisto fit in? Where are all these guys fitting in? Because that's a lot of matches so far, even though it's a four hour show. I could see Sami Zayn opening the show up against an NXT guy like Nakamura or Hideo Itami. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe in promotion of uh, NXT TakeOver back in Brooklyn. I don't... Yeah. I mean, Sami Zayn did it. He worked Dallas and then WrestleMania the next night. 
but someone always does double duty on these shows. So I'm, I mean, well, that would be the place for, or, or American you know, Alpha could battle, be battle American Royal. Yeah. Something you know. could be a battle Royal, maybe a battle Royal for the universal championship on the pre-show or something like that. But yeah, it's 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 weird because he could very well be off the card if he's not placed on. And I don't know who he goes up against. I, Titus O'Neil, Titus O'Neil, and Darren Young might have a match on the pre-show, and Sami Zayn might not. I guess uh, I guess being a big cruiserweight star may not be looking too bad for Sami Zayn right now, huh? Speaking of cruiserweights, just to divulge or divert mm-hmm. off the twitters for a bit. Sure. I thought I thought this past week's episode. Gave some much-needed personality into this tournament that was needed. Uh, Drew Gulak established as kind of a bully. Zack Sabre Jr. as kind of a hero, even though even though that had to be gotten over on commentary because he wasn't working like it and the mm. crowd didn't really respond like a babyface. And I love just the entire troll job on Brian Kendrick being the veteran for one last run that they've hyped up for the pre-show. And then they bring him in. And he's working a Larry Zabisco style heel type thing, doing anything to win. I, I just love that entire swerve. And I thought, you know, as opposed to the last couple episodes, which have been all about more or less old school ring of honor, shake hands, be great, you know, lay the best man win. I think it needed this kind of episode. And I liked it. What did you think? You know, I've liked the episode so far. You know, this week we had the, uh, the fourth episode in the finals of the, uh, first round. So we're, we're all done with the first round. Uh, we have, I look at these second round matches. There are some good ones. Drew Gulak against Zack Sabre Jr. I think is Zack Sabre still your pick to win it after the first round. Or was he ever? Because no. I think we both had someone else. I I had Johnny Gargano, which doesn't look like it might happen. And then I, I forget who you had. It might have been Kota Ibushi. I, I had Saber, I think, and then I had Kota, and I was wavering. And then I had you no, know, I yeah. I had picked like four guys or five Cedric guys Alexander. Who knows? Yeah. Brian Brian Kendrick has a chance. Yeah, Kota Ibushi Cedric Alexander is a big second round match that'll that'll be on a future episode here in the next couple of weeks. And TJ Perkins Johnny Gargano. So you got. You got a lot of good matches. I mean, the second round is pretty lit as far as, you know, what to look out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, I, and I'm liking what they did with Perkins. Yeah. A lot. I'm, I'm glad that he's Perkins is becoming a star. Sign. Like I'm, I'm thinking TJ Perkins might be the guy. I'm thinking TJ Perkins might be the guy. He might. I mean, and I'd be very happy to see that. Cause I think, you know, uh, he's great. Tracy asks, will new SmackDown women's and tag titles be sustainable? With the current rosters, my answer would be yes. What do you say? Current? No. I, I just, I don't see it. I mean, I think this women's division is in a lot of trouble. I said this last week following it. I, I Even though you have Becky and, and Natty who can do great matches, neither of them have personality to carry a title right now. I mean, Becky was just doing some, that weird flame thing that she did last week. I just went, every time you can see the wheels turning, here's where I'm going to turn on the personality, and it's bad. It's so bad. And Natty is basically doing the same shtick she does as a face, except it works now because all she ever did was name drop her her family. That's all she ever did as a face also. So I think this women's thing is in trouble. I think the tag team is in more solid state, but you need to build it up. You need to start building up the, the rivalries within there with the Usos and Brizongo 
and those teams, I, I think you build up the divisions first and then you bring in the belts as opposed to the other way around. I think that's going to be their mistake. Oh, I, I would I would agree with that last part. I, I think as far as the roster goes, I, they have the talent, the women's division, especially if Nikki Bella comes back and she comes to no, SmackDown. No, no, no. If That's not part of the question. Though. The question is as it is right now. All right. Well, if you're not including Nikki Bella and Emma... And just, and just keeping the roster at what it is, then yeah, it's probably not sustainable. But if okay. you if you bring a couple of uh, ones in that are that seem like they would likely fit on SmackDown, because yeah, right now they they've kind of left Alexa Bliss off, so maybe Alexa Bliss is going to be you know someone after the whole Becky and Natalia thing. Maybe she's the one who enters in there. But weird things with Eva Marie. I mean, Eva Marie is wanting to be a superstar. She goes in the ring, but then you know the the smallest thing. She's only going to wrestle if every situation is one hundred percent perfect. Yeah, she has a small I, tweak in her hamstring. Actually She's not going to wrestle. That. I oh, actually I, enjoyed that. I enjoyed it too. I, I think Carmella's dead in the water, though. Yeah, Carmella. No, that was uh, that was not good for the young lion, Carmella. Uh, it was not good for her. She gets beat up by Natalia, and there's a lot of talk about having no wrestling, no women's wrestling on the SmackDown show. I, I wasn't too concerned with that because it leads to multiple different platforms for for Natalia, for Becky, for uh, not so much Carmella, but definitely for Eva Marie. There's storylines later in the future. And again, it was one episode. It was one episode. So I, I wish they would build up that division before just introducing a women's championship for SmackDown. And they haven't done that yet. I mean, Brian, Brian Danielson is out there talking about how they're going to add tag titles and a women's championship, but they haven't announced the women's championship yet. So may, they may be waiting to do that until something happens with that women's division. Kind of on the same uh, on the same scale there, Rando asked, would SmackDown adding a men's trios and or a women's tag title be more beneficial than just copying the singles women's championship and the tag titles? If they were doing, obviously the roster, if it can't sustain a women's division for a solo belt on SmackDown, probably can't sustain a women's tag team championship. But if they brought in some more talent, wouldn't it be better for SmackDown to have something different like a trios title and a women's tag instead of just doing the same titles that are built up on Raw? Yes, and then on super shows, you could switch them, and that'd be fine. And then Raw could have a turn with women's tag or whatever. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I mean, it would, differ- it would differentiate the two. Don't get me wrong. But that is far too creative for them. Which is it would just funny because, you know, Rando asks it here on Twitter, and it's not— Maybe it takes creativity to actually run the division and run what they do with the titles, but have something different. Have a uh, have a men's trios instead of a men's tag because you already have the tag. Make make it uh, something different on SmackDown versus what you see on Raw because you're just changing the talent out. You have a tag team on Raw. You have a tag team on SmackDown. It's the same thing, just the names are different, whereas you could have a tag team on Raw and then a trios team, a little bit different match style, a different show pace. Uh, you know, different reasons to care about the matches. I would absolutely think they would be better served having stables. a trios. Yeah, you yeah. could have stables and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but then you have to switch New Day. Yeah, because New Day as the trios champions would make much more sense. Mm-hmm. Trent asks, why doesn't WWE run MSG more for TV and pay-per-views? It seems they only run house shows a lot. And I think I think money is the biggest reason. It's expensive. To run Barclay, that Barclays arena. is bigger. They got Barclays Center in Brooklyn, which is newer. Uh, it's hip. Uh, you can run TVs and pay-per-views there, and it's less expensive. And then yeah. also, they they do pretty well attendance-wise on the MSG house shows, especially around Christmas time. So if you don't have to have the cost of you know satellite time and getting your production crew there, why not just sell out the arena for a house show and run your TV and pay-per-view somewhere else that may not sell out for a house show? It just makes better business sense. 
So that's kind of why they do it. It's kind of why they do it. And then our final question in our mailbag segment, Rovert asks, what will Carmella be in six months? You mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago, Jeff, about Carmella. Is she going to be popular in six months? Will she have to be repackaged? Will she be released or somehow end up back in NXT? I think she's going to end. I think in six months, she'll still be on the SmackDown roster floundering. Six months. Yeah, we're headed into the Royal Rumble time. It's where we finally figure out what they might be doing towards WrestleMania. Yeah, she'll still be doing the bad moonwalking Uh and the the, kind of the faux Enzo without mentioning Enzo and Cass gimmick. And I think after that, once they decide to, to split up Enzo and Cass, she'll end up with one of them. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know if they'll put her back with Enzo and Cass. It's possible. No, I, I don't think as a team, no. But I think one of the solos. Got, maybe no, with no, no, Enzo. no. I, I meant Enzo or Cass. That's what I meant. Following up what you said there. But uh, I, they separated her from those two for a reason. They obviously see something in her. And it's been too short of a time since she's come up to SmackDown. So six months. Uh, yeah, I. I I don't think she's going to be hugely popular. Hold on. Stop. I think you're being presumptive thinking they see something in her. They might because she's blonde and she's hot, but that might just be one of those mind game type of moves too. Oh no. I I think, I think they clearly see something in her because they didn't want her to come up as a trio and be, you know, hidden with Enzo and Cass where Mm. I don't know. I maybe, I, I guess they brought Trish Stratus in with, with uh with Testin Albert, right? And she became the breakout star of him, so it could have happened with Carmella. Yeah. I, I think they see something in her though. I don't think she's gonna be released in the next no. six months. I don't think no. she'll go back to NXT, although maybe that might be best served. Um I don't know if she's gonna be hugely popular. And I, I might she just might be what she is right now in six months. She maybe in a year team. something you know, will something different you know will what happen. There might be there might be the Bay Mella team over there on SmackDown as well. You know, bring Bailey up and that gives them uh, a little bit of a new thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, Carmella's a weird one for me because she's on a show where she certainly has the chance to break out. There's not a huge number of talents there. And I'm not saying women on the roster don't have talent. There's just not a lot of them. There's what, seven? They have six or seven female superstars on SmackDown right now. You would think the odds are good that she could possibly break out. She but- could, but. <laughs> They're they're encouraging her to do all the entertaining things that end up turning people on people like her. Yeah, the the moonwalking especially is, is. I mean, just just the histrionics when she's in a match, you're just like, okay, come on, just do the match. I just don't think you can <laughs> give up on Carmella yet. No, it's been no. two weeks, guys, and she's got yeah. her entrance. Uh, the entrance didn't get over too well on SmackDown. It, it's becoming quite clear, especially when Cass would try to do the entrance. The people love Enzo during that entrance. They well, love she to didn't sing get along to do her. Re- she- well, wait, she didn't get to do a regular entrance. She took out the whole Queen of Staten Island type of stuff for the most part. She had to. She had to kind of princess Jeff. She has not been coronated yet. Whatever, but you know what I mean. I mean, she, they've changed the words this. They week. did. They did change they- it. Yeah, that was interesting. I, I I just don't know if they. I mean, I think people love the entrance because of Enzo. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing when Cass was going solo when Enzo was hurt. I mean, Cass wasn't getting the huge reactions that they do when they're a team. No, Enzo is the entrance star. That's that's what your he does. Mouth, that, that's you know that's a point I've been hammering home quite a bit. You can love work rate all you want, guys. You can love great matches, but it's your mouth that makes you a star and gets you over with the crowd in the WWE. It is. It absolutely is. 
Derek Montilla of the Sports Cave and Minutes with the Mayor is going to join us in just a moment to talk a little bit about the current events in WWE. Still to come later on, Jeff, we're going to talk about Triple H and The Undertaker from WrestleMania 27 as Triple H looks to get revenge on Undertaker ending Shawn Michaels' career and the NXT power rankings coming up in a bit. Jeff and Rob back here on Shake Them Ropes, and we are now joined by Derek Montilla of the Sports Cave and the SteelCage.com com to talk some wwe and more Derek, how are you i'm doing great guys thanks for having me absolutely not a problem i wanted to get your thoughts and please remain calm i know it's very tough uh it's very tough for you right now lord yeah lana and rusev (laughs) Uh lana and rusev were married over the weekend they were did you get these two crazy kids anything No, I failed. I failed to uh, muster up, I guess, I guess the maturity level that that was needed in order to just accept it and send them something. Um, I've been a uh, fan, if you want to call it that, of Lana's for quite a while. Uh, You know, whatever, mad love Mm -hmm. uh, fan, whatever you want to call it, insanity. Uh, No, she's she's a fantastic woman. And I'm very happy for both of them, I guess. Uh, but I will say <laughs> that it's probably the reaction Vince McMahon had too, honestly. Uh, you know, as far as booking a marriage goes, I think it was botched. Frankly, I think as far as booking a marriage goes, it was botched. And uh, I, I hear that they're going to have a second one in Bulgaria, just to twist the knife extra deep into my heart. Um, you know, like as if the first one wasn't enough. I'm sure this one will involve like horse-drawn carriages and like i imagine soldiers marching Mm -hmm. uh there's gonna be you know a a lot of uh communist rhetoric i'm sure said at the ceremony i you know it is what it is they they're two crazy kids in love and they feel the need to do two ceremonies in order to just be extra spiteful towards me as if the comment she makes on raw every week isn't enough when she has to be like the only man that can have me we get it yeah it's all it's all for you yeah you can you can follow Derek. On Twitter at cap underscore caveman, caveman with a K, and you will find all of his Lana musings and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, this weekend's wedding was the total divas wedding, right? And then they're going to yes. have like the personal was, wedding, right? This was the the TV wedding, and uh, I, I did like the whole circus atmosphere that they went with. And uh, yeah, at one point I was out of my mind because I thought Rusev actually wore a gray t shirt to the ceremony. Uh, that made me feel feelings I wasn't expecting to feel. You know, it just launched out and went on a small tirade about fashion but rusev's uh, not good enough for you lana because he wears a t-shirt at the wedding exactly yeah gonna show up but that's what i expected out of him right i expected him to show up in a t-shirt and a vest and you know shorts and and flip-flops that's what i expected for me the most interesting thing was the number of photos that ryback ended up appearing in yeah right especially when that's not something they probably Mm -hmm. wanted out there (laughs) yeah what do you what do you get a guy like Rusev as a wedding gift? Oh God, that's that's a great question. Cigars, I imagine. Um, lots of cigars and alcohol. Like that's realistically a back, it. A back shaver. Ooh, some yeah, hair, maybe. Good. Yeah, that would be good. If you, uh, if you want to get really into the personal personal life of Rusev, yeah, back shaver would be good. That was an interesting uh, that was an interesting call, Jeff. Yeah, I'm thinking alcohol. I'm thinking a lot of smokes of different various kinds. Meat, meat, possibly, yeah. Raw meat, yeah. 
I, I'm, I'm a hair. Hold on, I'm a hairy man. I get. <laughs> you're, so you're coming at self perspective. I got it. Yes, I okay. have. It's not. It's not a burial of Rusev. It's well, yeah. Now, now we know what to get you for a gift because it sounds like you're just you know letting everybody know that that's uh, that's a fine gift for a man. He he I did. Have, Jeff did turn this one. into something about himself, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that's the whole. This this is a me show. So. <laughs> That's right. This not is- not not like I'm doing that at all with Lana and her relationship. No, 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 at all. But not no, at all. I mean, realistically, though, we know she's talking to me every week on Raw, right? Like yep. that's okay. I'm aware. I I don't know about the rest of the country, but I am aware. Uh, happier happier subjects, Derek. Two weeks into the brand extension, what do you make of Raw and SmackDown so far as we head into uh, the real build to SummerSlam? Oh, I think that Raw kind of came back down to earth after having a phenomenal first episode. I think that SmackDown kind of limped in and it's already shown how shallow their roster is, but I'm still very hopeful. I think that it's a much different scenario this time around than the last time they split the brands because they didn't have this influx of talent coming up from both NXT Mm -hmm. and people that they were openly willing to acquire from free agency. You know, they, they had that stubborn you know, view on, on the way that they wanted to create people for a period of time there in the two thousands when, you know, they wanted to, uh, you know, have everybody be a bodybuilder type and they wanted everybody to be kind of WWE born and bred and, and created by WWE. And now that they've changed, you know, their view on that, I'm much more positive about the future. I think right now it does give guys a chance to shine, but I think also that there's enough room on both shows for them to bring up, you know, quite a bit of talent and and not have the shows be overcrowded. Everyone can still kind of get a bit of the spotlight. And I think that's the most important thing right now. They they were kind of too big to just have everybody on one show. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of having so many belts. I feel like that is uh, one of the problems that's going to occur with this whole brand split. I think if we end up with two tag belts and two women's belts and two championship belts, you know, and, and, you know, the IC in the US and the cruiserweight, it's it's a lot. It's, you know, it definitely starts feeling like some people have said, like it's a participation trophy. Everybody's going to have one at one point or have held one just because they're going to have so many. It's inevitable that that anybody that's on the main roster will have one. What do you what do you make about them just uh, copying and making another tag belt, another women's championship instead of doing something a little bit different? I mean, we had a question earlier in the show. Uh, about them making possibly a trios championship yes. instead of another tag or, or I, a women's I, tag championship. I brought that up actually last night, the exact same thing. A trios championship would have been fantastic to see just to, you know, change it up. And, and they've had quite a few, you know, trios teams kind of come up. Yeah, so absolutely. It's not, it, it's not like it would be out of the realm of possibility for them to do that. Uh, I, I, I would have liked to see something different in general. I think that I'm still hopeful that, we don't see all of these championships, but unfortunately, you know, the Daniel Bryan interview that he did the other day, it definitely sounds like we should expect to see both brands with, you know, basically, like you said, copy championships, the same thing for both shows. Uh, I, I really think it shows a lack of creativity on WWE's part. Uh, I think that they've been kind of in tune with the indie market and what other promotions are doing. So now would have been a great time to introduce something you know, like a trios championship, um, a win- women's tag belt is a, a little hard to imagine, um, just because I, I think that they are still pretty shallow in the women's division. And that's actually a concern of mine for NXT right now. 
I think NXT is is especially shallow in the women's division. So um, I'm interested to see over the next six months how that develops and, and what happens, you know, with them. There, there's a lot of women, you know, uh, in the indie scene right now that would be great uh, additions to, to WWE. So I, I think that they could definitely do some of what they've done with the men with, with women some more. Is the Dolph Ziggler reclamation project too, li- too little too late? Is it just something that's going to happen through SummerSlam and then he's just going to go back down to what he was? Or is this the start of a, uh, of a second, uh, second rebirth, so to speak, for Dolph Ziggler? Well, they don't, they don't have that many bodies right now on SmackDown, and they definitely don't have people that have like the tenure of Dolph Ziggler. He's, he should be in the prime of his career right now. He should be wrestling for championships at this point. So I, I, I don't think it's too far gone. I, li- I like Dolph still, and I think he's, ever since he's been face, ever since he lost the championship you know, years ago and went face, he's been somewhat of a generic, you know, face kind of smart ass character. Uh, and I think that's kind of the problem that hasn't worked with him. He was way more over when he was a heel and he was just kind of Mm -hmm. being inconsiderate and he was being the show off in the way that it was originally created and perceived the, the watered down face version didn't work as much. So, I'm hoping with the way that we saw what we saw on SmackDown and that Dean, that really good Dean Ambrose, you know, uh, Dolph Ziggler interaction. I hope we see, you know, heel Ziggler come back. And I think that he would be a, a perfect fit for what they're doing on SmackDown right now. Yeah. I, you know what? After this world title program, I would love to team him with Shelton Benjamin, who's returning and put them up against American Alpha kind of as an old school uh, amateur wrestler versus yeah. new school amateur wrestler type of team thing. Love I'd that. love that. Yeah, I love that. And and I think those are the things they they have those connections and they're being more honest about a lot of stuff. You know, I I dig the cruiserweight classic and some of the things we hear Daniel Bryan and Mauro Ronaldo say about the competitors uh, and on NXT and it's crossing over now to to the main roster where they're not you know, they're, they're not so rigid about what they're allowed to say. Uh, and that's where it starts to be ridiculous is, you know, you have all of this history, you have these guys that do have the careers that they've had. And yet there was a period of time where they refused to talk about their past and and all of their accomplishments that they've had. They, they, they'd sometimes make, you know, vague statements like they've wrestled all around the world or something like that. But, you know, I, I dig, like Mara Ronaldo talking about Cedric Alexander giving up a lucrative contract with Ring of Honor to come be in the Cruiserweight Classic tournament. That's like that reality side of wrestling that, you know, everybody knows and it, it's it's refreshing to hear them be so straightforward with it. So a tag team like that, what you just said was enough to connect them, you know, plus they have the fact that they could be the bitter old guys mm-hmm. in a way that are have been passed over and now they're just expected to step to the side for people like American Alpha to come up. It, it would be a great pairing. And, you know, they've American Alpha has obviously been compared to the world's greatest tag team, mm-hmm. you know, in the past several oh, yeah. times. So oh, yeah. that, that 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 right there, I mean, if you can't get Charlie Haas or if you don't want Charlie Haas back, I think that would be the next best thing. Speaking of great talent out there, Derek, you are going to the PWG Battle of Los Angeles in September. Amongst amongst the lineup, the all-star lineup, guys like Jushin Liger and Cody Rhodes, what do you expect out of those two on Bolo Weekend? I have no idea what to expect, honestly, because that's that's the craziest thing about the Battle of Los Angeles is they 
I, I've seen, you know, guys come in and, and I saw AJ Styles in Battle of Los mm-hmm. Angeles and I've seen some of the biggest names in wrestling in it in the past. Um, you know, sometimes they're there to showcase their talent. Sometimes they're just there, um, you know, as, as a competitor and a, and a member of the tournament, but they're going to possibly lose and, and be there to evaluate uh, or excuse me, evaluate, uh, elevate new talent um, or PWG guys or guys that are a little bit more permanent. So I, I don't know the direction. I, I don't know. I, I mean, Cody Rhodes being a part of it is such a wild card because he's a favorite. And then I'm also really doubtful that they would have him win it right. at the same yeah. time. You know, it's it, it, it just it makes so for so much intrigue. You have the Adam Cole situation where Adam Cole was in it and is boycotting it uh, for his own personal bullet club slash mountain rushmore reasons. And, you know, that to me is an interesting part of it because I feel like that that, you know, that story kind of the way that Roddy has had an impact on the, the tournament in the past, um, even when he wasn't in it is is all an interesting um angle and and prospect to me. So, I'm just excited to see some of the matchups that we get to see. Uh as a as a wrestling fan, it's unbelievable that we're going to get the opportunity to see some of the guys that we're going to see um, you know, in 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 the first round and the second round and possibly at the end. I remember yeah. last year, uh sorry, sorry. No, I just no, I was I- I was I was about to I was about to say the same thing last year for me Pentagon Junior being able to see him live and up close and charging towards me uh, and then that was really kind of where where like the uh, the self proclaimed Euro trash kind of made their statement and and to solidify themselves in PWG so uh, I didn't mean to jump on your thought go ahead no actually you brought up the exact same person I was going to bring up uh, <laughs> I think I think seeing Pentagon Junior versus Zack Saber Junior was like literally a dream come true you know there was times where i could not believe that i was watching those two guys who honestly i didn't like a year earlier i had just begun to know you know i'm I'm not i'm not super deep into wrestling as far as um you know some of my friends and and the fact that they've known these guys since you know their debuts and such but i i really fell in love with zach saber jr at last year's bola and uh or the previous year and I fell in love with, you know, Pentagon Jr. from the moment I saw him on Lucha Underground. So for me, it just it, it was such a, an amazing moment to see those two go at it. And, you know, the fact that they both have an armbar variation as their as their finisher and they're both juniors. Good Lord. It was it was just too much to take on at once. But I think that's the cool thing about that tournament is you get to see matchups of people mm-hmm. that you never thought you would see. Uh, and then in some cases, you get to see people that you know nothing about that that it's your first opportunity. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see Jack Gallagher. Um, you know, I, I know he's in the Cruiserweight Classic, but, you know, to get a chance to see him also at a tournament like this is is a, a great thing. Uh, for, and for me, it's yeah, for me, it's surreal that I sat with John Hennig and John Morrison at a PWG show and now he's going to be in the ring yes. for a match. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. I, I, lo- I love the crossover from the Lucha Underground guys coming over. I love the, you know, English guys coming over. I think that's the cool thing about PWG, that and the fact that they recognize talent. Like, the, even when it's a name that you don't know or haven't seen before, you feel confident that that you're going to be, you know, entertained by this person. Like, oh, I don't know who this, you know, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with, I think Pete Dunn is his name, but 
I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what he can do because if PWG brought him in, there's a chance he's pretty awesome. Well, Jeff Cobb is a guy like that kind of in a way, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he, Cobb, he, and Hero, Cobb and Hero were great at Prince. So, I mean, he's going to have a hell of a turn, uh, I think. Yeah. And, and his, you know, his time in Lucha Underground, he's been like a freaking video game character. So it, it's been really cool to see him. And he's a really nice guy. Like I met him backstage at the Lucha Underground 3 uh, or Ultima Lucha 3 Trace uh, finale. And just the nicest guy in, in the world for being such a ridiculous monster. What Frank, you give me a... Go ahead, give me a winner. Give me a winner. And also, do you think Larry, how many of the three days will Larry actually have the air conditioner running? Okay. Um, Larry <laughs> have the air conditioning running by the end of night three. Um, hopefully, because that's the <laughs> night that you really worry about night one and two take place late enough that you really just hope they were able to maintain a reasonable uh, temperature in the building prior to us entering, but night three starts like two hours earlier. Uh, the sun's still up and that's when that building is literally a hot box and an oven and you're exhausted from the three days. So, um, my money is on all night. We've, we've offered to take up a collection of $5 from every individual to pay Larry. Uh, I gave 20 bucks last year to turn on the damn air conditioner or to turn it up. Oh, I don't know, man. (laughs) <laughs> sounds like quite the experience for you guys and it's going to be 100 degrees you're going to be, oh, well, you're going to be sweating well, everywhere thing. on Sunday I got there at I think noon or 1 o'clock to wait because I had general admission that day and so you're you're sitting there for like the 5 or 6 hours then and then it goes to like 1 in the morning on Sunday so it's a long day and you just you just want this old cranky man who doesn't yeah. seem to like any of us to just turn on some air so that we can be comfortable watching this thing and, and of course sniffing our bottles I mean I understand you don't want any alcohol in the parking lot but if I'm slick enough to put it inside of something else just let it be man so who do you like uh, for the tournament <laughs> I'm gonna take uh, my uh, my dark horse pick in all of this believe it or not, is Adam Cole. Even though he's not in the tournament. You are literally picking a guy who's not in the tournament. I am picking a guy who is not in the tournament. And the reason why is I feel like shenanigans are afoot. Mm -hmm. I I don't trust anybody from the Bullet Club. I don't trust anybody who's friends with the Young Bucks. It... And I definitely don't trust anybody that would flip off the entire crowd at PWG in a crazy (laughs) rotating circle thing. But I just think that the whole storyline with that, like Bola usually only has one storyline in the past. It's been, you know, the involvement of Mount Rushmore and such like that, but it's usually just a showcase of the talent. And then one kind of interweaving storyline, just a little bit. And I feel like the Adam Cole, resignation out of the tournament is just a red flag to me and I don't trust it. Um, I, my, my honest prediction giving it here is that he'll take out Dalton castle and take Dalton Castle's spot in the tournament because they have a match against Dalton castle and the boys on night one. And I just have an overwhelming feeling that with his match being on night two, that Adam Cole is going to like take him out and then steal his spot. Or they might even take him out on night one because Taking out the Dalton Castle is the biggest heel move that you could do right now, at least in my eyes, because that guy is a unicorn and he is amazing. So, um, yeah, that's that's how I foresee this tournament going. I like that call. I, I still think this might be Marty Skrull's time. 
I mean, uh, he's been having such a great year in Evolve. He's been having a great year in PWG. He's been having a great year everywhere he is. I think it's time to to make him the upper echelon of PWG talents. I think having at le- I think he'll at least get to the finals. But I think having him win it will elevate him. But I think you're right about the Cole thing. It sounds suspicious, and I think we may actually get a new member of Mount Rushmore out of this tournament as well. It, it's very interesting with Cole because a lot of uh, a lot of those who follow both Ring of Honor and PWG uh, think that it's inner office politics, basically. Like Adam Cole is going for the ROH World Title, and will the ROH World Champion, if Adam Cole were to win it, does you know what can he do in the Battle of Los Angeles? But at the same time, they could be using all of that to work everybody because PWG's done that before. It's crazy. It is. I, I like that theory though. I like the theory of him taking someone out. Now Dalton Castle seems like it would be that guy. Well, and and I think that would like really break people's hearts because there's a part of me that thinks the matchup of him versus Gallagher on night yeah, two is yeah. just adorable. <laughs> right. And oh, sure. I, I feel like for some reason interrupting that and not allowing that match to happen would like gain serious heat with a lot of people. And I mean, even though the young bucks are so beloved, their actions at PWG tend to be so heinous that I don't put anything past them. So I, I don't know. There, there's just something about that. But if I was calling it straight up, I would say Marty Skrull is a, is an excellent choice. I think he stole the show last year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think there were a few guys that that stood out last year just because of how hard it is to stand out there. But but he was definitely one of my favorites. Now, do your best, guys, to try and explain to me, because I've never been to PWG. There's a lot of listeners out there who have okay. never been and will never go. What is it about the PWG experience that creates all this buzz, all this hype? What does PWG offer that something like Lucha Underground or AAW in Chicago or all these other promotions don't offer? What is it about that experience? I, I'll say like there was a video game I used to play all the time uh, called Pit Fighter. I believe it was called. Uh, it was like a predecessor to Mortal Kombat and such like that. And you were literally just underground fighters in like a crowd of it was like digitized <laughs> like Mortal Kombat. And one of my just, favorite games. Yeah. Yes. Right. And it was just a it was a very generic type fighting game, but it was like underground fighting. And one of the things about it was you would fight to the edge of like a crowd. And if you got too close, the crowd would either hit you with stuff or they would just throw you back into the fight and causing a disadvantage with the, you know, whoever you were fighting. Cause you were like pushed from behind. And I feel like that was so bizarre to me when playing it. Like I did never thought that that would be real. And that is exactly what PWG is like the, the intimacy and the closeness to the, the ring and, and the fight that's going on is ridiculous. The way the crowd instantly knows, like if you're a new person and you, you go, it's terrifying because the people that are regulars know exactly when to like get up out of the way and take their chair with them. And you mm-hmm. don't. So you're sitting there like adult like me in several occasions with beer in hand while someone comes flying at you, including Tommy End at last year's Bola that ended up in my lap. Uh, I didn't even think it was possible. You had hold on. You had End in your lap. I had Marty Skrull in my lap. Yes. So, see, <laughs> on night on on that during that six man. This was against Speedball and. Yeah. Apparently, everybody else in front of me saw exactly what was going to go down long before I did. And I thought <laughs> I was because I was like three rows back. I was well out of the danger zone. I was out of the splash zone, if you will. And no, still, Tommy. And I think my buddy said Tommy saw you and was like, hey, that guy looks way more comfortable to fall into than a bunch of chairs. I'm going to land on him. 
Uh, and those so that's basically what ended up happening there. And I think that's what the experience is about. I mean, the matches happen right on top of you. The crowd is amazing. It's an electric atmosphere. It's very small. Uh, I, I, I mean, my best comparison is like when I tell people, uh, I've, I've heard the stories where, where individuals were like, I saw the Rolling Stones once in a bar with like 50 yeah. people and it was the yeah. craziest thing. And that's, yeah. that's what it's like going there. Yeah, I was going to compare it to my time in college when the local Tuesday band for five bucks at this small club was the Dave Matthews band. Oh. And you knew you and you knew you were seeing this band on the come and you knew they were going to be hot and you knew they were great musicians. And so every week you'd go and be a, it would be a hot show with, you know, jams and everything like that. Hot chicks, the, the whole kit and caboodle, you know, a college atmosphere type thing. And you knew this band was going to be huge and you felt like you were there for the ascent and that you would be a part of their success. I, that's the feeling you kind of get. It, it, it's the same. It, yeah. It, it's the same as a band bi- that hits the big time that you saw when they were very, very small. Yeah. That. And I love the fact that you, when you walk into PWG, like night one, there's the young bucks, the first people greeting you when you walk in the door with merch and a smile. And mm-hmm. when, when you walk around the ring, all the guys are there with their t-shirts. And I, I know there's other promotions that do that. But for me, that's one of the craziest things about it is, being able to go buy a t-shirt from the wrestler that you, you know, admire or you're there to see and spending two to five minutes speaking to them and telling them how much you like them and having them be really cool and receptive about it. It's, it's a unique experience and and you just, you don't get that from going to a WWE event. It, it's a very cold experience as far as meeting, you know, the superstars and whatnot. Uh, I think that's one thing about PWG that makes it magical is that not only the closeness during the matches and during the show, but during intermission. And I mean, God, we're outside, you know, and, you know, wrestlers are coming up to us asking to bum a cigarette and, you know, uh, walking around and hanging out with other celebrities that are there. And, you know, Ron Funches and Max Landis are there. And there's just, there's a bunch of cool people that are true wrestling fans that don't care that this is like held in an American Legion hall that barely sits the number of people that they sell tickets for. It's, it's a really cool atmosphere i think yeah that last part kind of seems why nxt really took off when it did too because it's a small atmosphere they tape in the same building all the time and you're getting to see stars who might be on wwe tv within the next year so it's kind of like minor leagues but more intimate i you know that's kind of the correlation and and the regulars too you know same thing at nxt there's regulars at pwg they're they're fun people they it's a good respectful atmosphere. I think that's one thing is, is a lot of people respect wrestling. They respect the wrestlers. They, you know, with the exception of a few people that get too drunk and a little too belligerent, it's really, um, you know, like a, a true hardcore fan atmosphere. And, and that's one thing I, I like about it. They're, they're a lot of fun. It's the chants are amazing. You hear some of the stuff that you'd never thought you would hear, you know, coming. I, I, I just love, you know, singing along with Ricochet coming out to All Night Long by Lionel Richie. That's that's like the highlight of my weekend because you have 500 people standing up and singing every word to this 80s song. And then long after the match starts, we just keep on chanting all night long for a good like five to ten minutes after that. It, it's it's a unique experience. And and it's just it, it's definitely something that you don't get at any other promotion. I would say, you know, I would tell you to say hi to Jeff at BOLA, but Jeff 
somehow could not get tickets. Yeah. Got shut out. I know. Yeah. Okay. He tried. That that is a hard experience. That that's like tough, man. I mean, we've coordinated as a team. We had five people buying tickets all at once. And still out of the five people, two people were shut out and we all logged on and started buying tickets at the same time. Like that is exactly how frustrating it is. Uh, A lot of people fall into the trap with the PayPal. It's not finalized until you pay for it. So Mm. that's just a warning to anybody that wants to go in the future. That's that's definitely an interesting part of the dynamic, too, because if it feels like it's tough to get in and it's exclusive, like that adds a little bit to the allure. Yeah, absolutely. And plus, it it feels like they're doing it on purpose, but they're not. They're just, they really run it as a really small thing. I mean, they, they just, they don't have a lot of frills to what they do. You know, their website is basic. The process of buying tickets is really basic. The building is basic. I mean, I think the biggest question for a lot of people is why doesn't PWG move to a bigger building? They could easily sell out a building that had, uh, that could accommodate 2,000 people instead of 500, but they don't. Yeah, but I mean, I I was there, you know, I've been to old shows and, uh, you know, at various venues where it was half full and even even the Legion Hall wasn't packed until two, three years ago, every show. So, I mean, they've been through that. They. I mean, they've they've said, especially Dragon says, look, I'm not doing this to make money. I'm doing it because I've enjoyed it. It's a vanity promotion. We'll just raise the prices if the demand gets high. And they did this year. They so. did, absolutely. And it's still sold out in about 90 seconds. So apparently they're they're at a level right now. I, do you think that they'll go to a bigger venue or do you think at this no. point that they'll just continue to do this? No, they'll just continue to do this, I think. They, unless, unless, unless the police continue to have to come by because the old folks home next door keeps phoning in complaints and Larry then takes that to heart. But they have such a sweet deal because I think what it is, is they get it rent free as long as the American Legion hall can keep the bar tab. I think that's the deal. Or at least it's reduced. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, totally. They also, they also risk kind of losing that cool factor. If they go to a bigger building and it doesn't sell out, like if they go to a 2000 seat building and they get like 1800 in it, it may look a little empty in parts and maybe the celebrities don't go. No, absolutely. And I think it would lose that. It, it would be ring of honor. Yeah. I think at that point, yeah. I think it would yeah. be, you know, the talent and the amazing matches without the great storytelling with, which is, you know, kind of indicative of what ring of honor is going through right now. Uh-huh. But they, they definitely would have a good um, audience. I just think it would lose the special unique appeal that it has. Everything that I enjoy about it would probably be removed from a bigger venue. You know, they probably have to put guard railings up and they don't have the, you know, the crowd sitting right there, people falling into the audience. Mm -hmm. They would lose probably the guys doing, you know, the selling merch the way they do. I mean, there's a lot about it that that would probably go away if they if they did that. So uh, and and they have held Bola from from stuff I've seen in the past. They've held it at bigger venues. And it definitely didn't look as special yeah. as it does when it's think, held at the Legion. Yeah, the one you saw was probably Burbank YMCA. Was that 2009? Possibly. I think so. Okay. Yeah, there's yeah. some old ones, but yeah. They, I think Cesaro was in that one. Oh, yeah. They seem pretty set now. They seem pretty set on staying at that Legion Hall because what it's been two or three straight years that they haven't even done anything outside of it. So it, it looks like they're staying there, and it sounds like that experience is one that, uh, you know, if you have a chance to go to, you should. I don't know yeah. if I'm ever going to be able to go out there, but we'll see if I do. I'll say hi to everybody out there. Uh, Derek Montia, the sports cave and the steel cage.com, the steel cage.com. Tell everybody what you're doing there. 
Uh, I ha- part of the Steel Cage podcast, as well as uh, my own show called Minutes with the Mayor. Uh, I basically interview someone every week. This week, though, it was uh, a sad uh, single-person podcast lamenting about Lana, talking about my feelings, and mostly playing like a lot of Sarah McLaughlin and you know naturally, no naturally, doubt. no oh, doubt. Don't boy. speak. Um, there was some singing. It's a good podcast. If you get a chance, um, it, it definitely was one of. Uh, yeah, one of my more embarrassing moments. So if you enjoy that kind of thing, check it out. Um, and aside from that, I got the sports cave. I covered the Diamondbacks here in Phoenix, and they're absolutely awful. So it's been a train wreck to cover them. They are uh, flat out ruining pitchers out there. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Up Don't even cranky. know what's going on out here. <laughs> oh, it's it's very sad. Go follow uh, Derek on Twitter. The Twitter is at cap underscore caveman caveman with a K. Uh, if I have that right, go follow him right now and go to check out his work at thesteelcage.com and the Sports Cave. Derek, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Guys, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. It is time for the return, Jeff, of the NXT Power Rankings weekly segment where we rank the top four ongoings in NXT. Last week's was a little bit of a, uh, a controversial episode as I rank John Cena number one in the NXT power rankings. So we'll see what is placed this week as we go by fan vote, as well <laughs> as input from world leaders. Wait, am I ever going to do these again? Or is this just going to be your bit? You're, you're next week, Jeff. You're next week. Oh, am I? Yep, oh, okay. You're next week. You can't be greedy. You've done it. You've done it enough. You're next week. Don't worry. Number four, what? <laughs> number four in the NXT power rankings, Hideo Itami returned to TV this week. In search of a return to his former glory, glory like always being just a little bit behind Finn Balor at every turn. Atami, can he become NXT champion? Jeff, your thoughts? Bailey attacked him in the parking lot, obviously, because she's the only one left. <laughs> Interesting that you would say that because number three on this week's power rankings is Bailey. Bailey got a taste of the main roster but now returns to NXT to reclaim her NXT Women's Championship. Will Bailey versus Asuka outperform Sasha versus Charlotte at SummerSlam? Jeff, your thoughts? I don't think it will outperform. Uh, it may be a better match, but the emotion will not be the same, but it will be close. Number two, Tino Sabatelli. <laughs> He's main eventing the Florida Live events while the top stars toured Texas. Is Tino Prime to be the next big thing in NXT? Jeff, your thoughts? Depends on how much weight he gains. The answer was yes. Yes was the correct (laughs) answer. And number one, Nikki Bella. Nikki Bella is number one in this week's power ranking. She's returning to the WWE Performance Center, preparing for her return to the ring on the main roster. Presumably... How many NXT female superstars do you suspect Nikki Sawa knocked out with her roaring elbow while training? Jeff, your thoughts? <laughs> at least three and Noof probably twice. I'm guessing at least two on Noof. I think Aaliyah got knocked the hell out a couple of times from Nikki Bella. Nikki Bella making her way back to the main roster. Speaking of two superstars who are no longer on the main roster, Triple H and The Undertaker. Triple H and the Undertaker. Yeah, my segues are becoming just super perfect. (laughs) Triple H and the Undertaker is match number 23 on our top 100 countdown of matches to see on WWE Network before you die. This match from WrestleMania 27. We already had WrestleMania 28 on the list. 
This is the WrestleMania 27 match. I agree with WWE that this match was better. This was the no holds barred match. It went about 30 minutes. This was the match that was booked basically with Triple H and The Undertaker just uh, returning both on the same night and staring at each other with Triple H's reasoning that he's coming for revenge because the, the year prior in Phoenix, The Undertaker ended the career of Shawn Michaels. This match included The Undertaker dive, the one that nearly killed him two years ago in the WrestleMania 25 match with Shawn Michaels. Triple H and The Undertaker, how did it live up from your memory? Well... First of all, a moment of silence here, because this is the last Triple H match we get on the top 100. Is it really? We got 22 yes. matches to go, and he's not in any of them? I don't believe so. I did that check, and it looked like I'm correct on this, that this is Triple H's swan song, and thank goodness. Um, <laughs> Had enough Triple uh, H, have you? Jeez. Oh, man. He was I, in our very first match. He was in match number 100 with Chris yeah. Jericho, yeah. You remember that also, in addition to this being the the silent staring build for Undertaker and Triple yeah. H, this was also the one where they literally retconned WrestleMania 17 out of the equation. This is the quote-unquote first time the right. Undertaker and Triple H have ever this fought. Was, this even was though, the dream match, yep. Yes, even though at WrestleMania X7, they fought. It was 10 years ago, though. Like, it was a long time ago. They were playing up the streak, though. And they, I know. And they eliminated Triple H from the streak. Um, look, I don't enjoy these as much as the HBK matches. I found the commentary a bit overwhelming. It was Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. Yes, and and it, it was because Michael Cole was in the match against Jerry Lawler earlier. That way, that's the way they could segue Jim Ross into the play-by-play. Triple H is, of course, the valiant, valiant competitor going up against The Undertaker. The one takeaway I had from this, this is the one match that I can remember where The Undertaker had to be frustrated with the opponent he had in the ring in terms of getting angry. I don't think I've ever seen him actually angry, angrily frustrated at an opponent to this extent. There might have been flashes of it in the... HBK matches, but overall this, I mean, this was, this was man undertaker just can't get past triple H and his streak is on the line here. So that was the story of the match. I kind of enjoy the hell in the cell bells and whistles a little bit more. Um, the story is there. And of course the dramatic ending with the suck it, but you know, overall I always view these as triple H's attempts to recreate what his buddy HBK did. And I don't think it lives up to those. You are absolutely right. This is the last Triple H match in the top 100. We got 22 matches after this. This is the last one. I I think I actually placed this as the second best of the four matches between Undertaker and Triple H as far as in this series. Uh, WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, or excuse me, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker was the best one. And then this match being second, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker from WrestleMania 26 is third. And then the end of an era match being fourth. Because the end of an era really was more about that than the actual match quality on there. Right. It was about the last time these two being in the ring together. It was the nostalgia with Shawn Michaels being present. It was the cage match. It was a lot of bells and whistles, uh, a lot of smoke and mirrors as well. But this match was really good. They they made some callbacks from the HBK series. Uh, this was yeah. kind of the uh, the beginning of the end for The Undertaker at WrestleMania as far as fearing that he might actually lose at some, uh, at some point. People thought Triple H might have beaten him in this show, too. Going in. Yeah, no, 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 no. They, they, there was a lot of talk going into this show. Again, 
Look, Undertaker got one on on Triple H. Oh, this was is this the secret plan? Well, one. Yeah, the, this is from one person, yeah, uh, a from, writer for right. F4W. Uh, yeah. Brian Alvarez thought there was a secret plan between Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Yeah, and and uh, you know there there was talk, of course, that well because Undertaker retired HBK, this might be Undertaker's last match, and Undertaker being kind of an old school kind of guy might look up at the lights for it. Might look up, but no, he is. Uh, it would be three years later at WrestleMania 30 when he finally lost, and gosh, he's still going. He might, and I might wrestle and at I this bought, WrestleMania. I bought the false finish a couple times. They were great. No, I, I thought there was there were legitimate moments where you thought Triple H could have won that match, and it made the final moments when they start doing the reversals of their finishers and whatnot. It made that so much better. Uh, I really like this match. I certainly believe it deserves a spot on the uh, top 100. Uh, yes. As far as matches, but yeah, it's the last Triple H match. We are bookending now the Triple H portion of this top 100 as he was on match number 100 and now here at match number 23. Next week, match number 22 is the 1992 Royal Rumble match. So that's going to be a long one. We're going to have to watch that a, a day or two beforehand. Uh, when's the last time you've actually watched the 92 Rumble match? I actually watched it fairly recently because Ric Flair did a simulcast on his old podcast of the 92 rumble, which basically amounted to, Oh yeah, this guy, I liked him. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, was, so you it watched it along deep. with his podcast. Yeah. I watched okay. it along with his podcast. Cause I wanted that full experience. And then I felt angry for, for, for wasting that time. But this is definitely the most talent rich and possibly the most fondly remembered Royal rumble ever. So yes. Yeah. I'm, uh, I have not watched it. I believe for at least a year and a half. I think it was actually right around the time the network came out. I went back and watched the 92 Royal Rumble match. So it was maybe in that first week or two of the WWE network coming out in 2014. So it has absolutely mm-hmm. been a while since I've seen this one, but we'll yeah. watch it again. We'll talk about uh, what I, what I watch more is the, uh, is the promos going into it. You know, the montage, uh-huh. which is always awesome. Cause Jake, the snake gives such a great promo and flair. And and Macho Man, I mean, all and Sid and Hogan, everybody gives a great promo in that in that montage. I want to thank Derek Montilla for joining the show earlier. A lot, a lot, a lot of stuff on this episode and more to come next week on Shake Them Ropes. Continue to follow us on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. Follow Jeff at Crap Game 13. And I'm just now getting an email from Excalibur. Jeff, they're not going to be for you, but I have an extra ticket to PWG's Battle of Los Angeles. Alexa Bliss, would you like to go? Hey, guys, I'd like to go now. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.